Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and uh, welcome to Frights of the Roundtable. Uh, this is going to be a different show. Usually I have two guests, but tonight we're going to have a solo guest. We've got Chris R. Notarily on the show. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good, John. How are you doing? Good, good. Um, and so first of all, Chris, Chris has been on my old show, The Independent Corner, a lot. So uh, we've had him through the past. And this is a different, like, sideshow that I did Um so uh, I just want to, first of all, for people who are not familiar with your work, um, can you tell us a little bit about your company, Blinky Productions? Well, Blinky Productions is basically uh, my production company. I've been uh, around since, I guess, 2004. Uh, we've made about 200-plus short films and a couple of features, uh, a lot of fan films, that's kind of sort of what I'm known for most. Uh, I've done pretty much everything in every genre, I, I could say, at this point. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you started off, I guess, with, with the original shorts, then you started doing the uh, the fan shorts, right? Or was it vice versa? Yeah, uh, well, my first fan film was um, The Nightmares of the Halloween in 2004, and, uh, you know, I've kind of sort of just kept going there. I mean, most recently we did, you know, our, our Kruger series, which was a prequel uh, about Freddy Krueger. And my most recent uh, fan film actually is Powerpuff Girls, which is actually my ninth most watched video on my channel, uh, which is really impressive because I just made it back in October. So jumped really high really fast. What is your uh, most watched? Uh, my most watched is actually The Nightmares and Halloween Part 2. So it's kind of funny. My first fan, uh, uh, it's the sequel, but it's of my first fan film, which is now my most watched. And then my uh, most recent film is now in my top ten. So it's kind of cool, actually. Okay, so you're you're uh, pretty knowledgeable about uh, YouTube, would you say? Relatively, yeah. I've been on it since the, they started. Right. So, you know, now that you've been doing it for so long, is there, like, any tricks that you've learned that you don't mind, you know, telling people? Uh, well, I guess, see, YouTube has changed a lot since it first started. When it first started, it was kind of sort of one of those, hey, just put a whole bunch of shit up online and, you know, see what happens. No one really... Uh, knew what it was going to be, and I only went on YouTube because I exceeded the bandwidth of my own private server. I had a website at the time, and I was loading videos onto my channel, and that started getting very expensive. And then someone said, hey, you should try YouTube because you can just load videos online for free. So I did. And that kind of got the ball rolling, and then it's just I realized that having a channel, I was able to localize my viewership 
and uh, keep better track of, you know, who was coming, who was going, who was watching. And, of course, it gave uh, an easier platform for people to communicate with me, you know, with the comment section and whatnot. I would say uh, one, one piece of advice, I guess, is to know your demographic and know what they want. Don't make a feature-length fan film and load it up with a bunch of credits and bloated dialogue, especially if you're doing like a horror movie, don't have a full two and a half hours worth of meaningless characters all yip-yapping and talking and giving poor plot exposition when all you really want to do is just see the slasher come out and murder everybody, you know? Make a short point, and that's it. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I've, you know, as a filmmaker myself, I've, you know, gone in and, and done a lot of research on you know, short films and, and, and feature films, but, you know, uh, there's a great book. I don't know if you have it or, or, or seen it, but there's a great book called Short Films 101, um, and it, like, details kind of, like, uh, back in the day, there was a ton of shorts that were actually getting made and being put out there, um, you know, like George Lucas and Love, and um, and a lot of these people got their films out there, from the short, and then all of a sudden, it was, I think it was the 90s, it was before YouTube, you know, so yeah. it was like a shot on 35 millimeter, but but this book actually details what you can do to kind of keep budget low and, and to make things uh, a lot easier. I, I definitely recommend anybody to read it if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Um, and then a lot of those people went off to do, you know, um, Joe Nussbaum, who did George Lucas and Love, did a uh, bunch of stuff. Like in, well, he did an American Pie Presents, which I don't think he'd brag about, but, um, you know, and then Luke Greenfield, who did one, ended up doing The Girl Next Door and uh, Let's Be Cops. So um, well, I definitely I uh, people, recommend it. If, if someone's going to get into making a short film, I give them a challenge. The challenge is try to do it for under $100. If you can't make a short film for under 100 bucks, you're doing it wrong. Because the more you say, oh, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I can't do it without money or these people and blah, 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 then you're just not that talented, and you're not cut out for this. The real challenge of being an independent filmmaker or any filmmaker is to always come under budget. Studios, if they're going to hire you, they're going to want to know that they can get somebody who can make something for nothing, so that way they get a huge return. So, yeah, I, I, I have the $100 film challenge, basically, because all you need is a solid script, a couple of good actors, one or two locations, and a camera. And there are many ways to go about it. Now, obviously, if you don't have a camera, that might present a bit of a challenge. But being, you know, in this particular day and age, it's a lot easier than it was 10 years ago. You know, you have iPhones. Everybody's got an iPhone. So you have a friend who has an iPhone. So, yeah, you can, anybody can make a short film for under 100 bucks. That's the challenge I give to you. Definitely. Um, now, uh, as a as you know, you've also done feature films, and I want to go into that. Um, especially your first film was Methodic. Um, looking back at that film now, um, are you are you one hundred percent happy with it, or do you wish you could have gone back in and and, and did something with it differently? <laughs> There was definitely stuff I wish I could have done, even when I was making the movie. Um, 
I had a very small budget for Methodic, and I really stretched the hell out of it. I did a lot with that movie that most people didn't think that they'd be capable of. So at the time, yeah, I'm proud of it. But I know even back when I made it 10 years ago this year that uh, I could go a little bit further if I just had a few extra things at my disposal. Like, I, And this, this is the only time where I'm going to say that money is a factor. You see, for the $100 challenge, you know, oh, why well, you're just saying now, Chris, oh, you need money to make a movie better. Well, yeah, because I wanted to go bigger. But just to make anything, you can make anything with no money. I made Methodic as big as I could for the budget I had, and I even pushed it beyond that. So I do wish that I could have had a little bit more to go a little bit bigger with the film. And that's like my only regret is I wish I could have gone bigger with it. Uh, would you ever like remake it? Oh, yeah, I have plans to remake it and just you know, get a budget together. I'm not going to delve into uh, this project again unless I'm able to give it the full 100% budget it deserves. Like, you know, it, let's say I wanted to have a horrific car crash. Well, you know, you can do that for $100. You're just only going to get to do it in one take, and then you're going to have to worry about the crashed car that you've just destroyed. But, you know, if you have a real budget, you can crash a car, blow it up, and do it a couple of times and not even worry about it. So it's stuff like that I wish I could have added to the movie and just made it cooler. But yeah, when I can and I'm financially capable of it, I totally will. Definitely. Awesome. Um, now, uh, after that, uh, you know, experience, did it kind of help you with your other uh, feature films that you did? Oh, it did. Um, the the approach I took with Methodic, because people are like, well, you never made a feature film before. How are you going to do this? I go, well, a feature film is just a really long short film, and I've already done a lot of those. So it's kind of sort of, you know, just make a short film and make it longer. Um, after I had it under my belt, and I approached, you know, my next feature, my feature after that, um, I understood, you know, how to curtail budgets a little bit better. I understood, um, you know, uh, just the amount of time and involvement it takes to make a feature because when you're doing a short, and let's say you're doing a five to ten page short, you can bang that thing out in a day, you know, if it's like one or two locations. But a feature, it's very, very hard to do a feature-length film that's only in one location and it be good. It's been done. It's totally been done. But, you know, uh, certain stories involve movement and going places. Otherwise, you get boring. And in Methodic's particular case, that needed to move. My second feature film was Standoff, and that technically took place in one real location. So I, that was a little bit easier. Um, so, yeah, I, I would just say that uh, it, it only helped me just figure out how to make things happen cheaper. Yeah, definitely. Um trying to trying to look at your IMDb here and trying to see cuz you've done, I mean, you have the ample, you know, you've done uh 78 credits according to the direct, you know, in directing. So, well, that's uh, on IMDb. I have a lot more than that, but those are the ones that is listed on IMDb. Yeah. I'll um now, I know you had an issue, I guess, with uh, with one of your um, uh, fan films and stuff. Um, 
has it been kind of hard to do other fan films because of that, or do you, or is it just easier? Um, what do you mean, like uh, doing just one genre over the other? Well, no, I mean like uh, you know, uh, I guess with the fact that your first fan film or your your one of one of the fan films didn't, you know, was kind of taken down or whatever. Was it over a lot of other fan films? You know, kind of being taken down or things like that. Well, that was just um, the Deadpool web series that I did back in 2013. Um, We had done that, and we put it up on YouTube, and we did uh, two episodes. And before we even got a chance to post the third episode, it was removed, as well as all of my other Marvel fan films. Um, There was some uh, flack that came from somebody at... uh, 20th Century Fox. Don't know who, don't know why, but long story short, um, they proceeded to attack my channel and claimed it was copyright infringement, even though these were, you know, fan films, nonprofit, and essentially parodies. Um, and ironically, the the actual Marvel YouTube channel favorited one of my Electra short films a couple of years prior, so that was just pure irony in my opinion. But um, they took it down. And, um, you know, my channel got a strike for a full year, two strikes actually for a full year. So that did at the time influence me to not do anything really fan related. Um, but, uh, that's just with Marvel. And I, I, I'm not even blaming Marvel personally. I'm kind of sort of leaning to the pointing the finger at Fox just because they attacked the Deadpool thing. Cause I've seen other. Deadpool fan films up there, but whatever. Um, I would say that it, it, as a whole, um, it affected me in the sense of, you know, maybe I'm not going to post certain things on my channel. I've never had a problem with Warner Brothers, and I've always I've actually spoken with, you know, uh, legal affiliates from Warner Brothers regarding my fan films. They seem to be pretty cool with it. So uh, anything WB-related... Uh, I'm more prone to put on my YouTube channel, but as far as anything that's Marvel-related, I, I would not make or consider putting on my YouTube channel just because I don't want to, you know, deal with that crap again. Yeah, that was that was uh, pretty sucky that that happened. Yeah, and then, uh, that's so, why the, that's why the only things on my channel are essentially DC-related. Even uh, my horror fan films are essentially Warner Brothers characters like Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers and, you know, Jason, they're all essentially owned in effect by, you know, Warner Brothers one way or the other. Well, as far as I know, I mean, you're you're more of a DC lover yourself, aren't you? Oh, I'm a huge DC lover, absolutely. Um, that's half the reason why I make my fan films is because they keep screwing up in their movies. <laughs> yeah, I said that. Well, I... Oh, go ahead. No, that's right. I said that. I, I stand by it. If you're listening, Warner Brothers dropping the ball. Hire me. Get it over with and hire me. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I mean, were you a fan of the new Batman versus Superman movie? No. <laughs> no? That's all I have to say about that. That's all you really want to say about that, right? I, I wrote my review on Facebook and my notes. So if anybody wants to actually hear how I feel about that movie, they can go to my page uh, or Chris Dot on Facebook 
and go to my notes section, and there's a very long, detailed, uh, colorfully written note uh, describing my thoughts on uh, Batman v Superman as well as the Suicide Squad. I've been very uh, vocalized about my thoughts and opinions on those two abortions. Now, I know you uh, you see this all the time. So, I mean, you usually say, because uh, people have probably suggested tons of different fan films for you, and you're like, well, pay me and I'll do it. <laughs> you know, right? You fund it. Um, you fund it, I'll film it. And uh, my, my, my thing is, I mean, I think it would have been great to see your Batman versus Superman, at least for a short fan film or something. You know, I think you um, would have done a great job with that. Well, my answer to that is simply this. That, the actual version of what Batman versus Superman is and should be, um, there's two ways to go about it. There is the Dark Knight Returns story, which doesn't particularly interest me. It's a good story, but I don't want to fuck with it. Um, and then there is the World's Finest, which is what they should have been doing. Batman and Superman should have fought for less than a minute and a half Batman should have said something. Superman should have said something. The both of them should have realized, oh, okay. They should talk it out like rational individuals, and then your fight's over. But no, they wanted to drag it out for a full three-hour movie and give us eight minutes of them physically fighting, which is, again, equally stupid. So if I was ever asked to do Batman versus Superman, I would walk in and say, well, first off, we're not calling it that because they're not going to fight. It's just not in the cards because they're too smart. Both of them are too fucking smart for that shit. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, I'm. I I read your review a while ago, but I'll, I'd love to recheck it out at some point and stuff. Yeah. Um, and just uh, re go over because I wasn't a fan of it either. But you know, um, you just get a cigar, I don't think I a cigar and a glass of brandy, and sit down and read the review to some nice smooth jazz, and you'll laugh. <laughs> um, now I, I want to talk. Uh, you know, we got to talk about your newer project. Um, so, uh, can you tell us what your new project is? My new project is called Firstborn. It's uh, going to be my uh, feature film. Um, it's a culmination of ideas. It's like the love child of Starman and the Terminator the 1984 Terminator, not the sequels or anything like that. And uh, it's uh, it stars uh, Roberto Lombardi, who, uh, if you know me, you've seen him in a bunch of my stuff, but mainly my Kruger prequel series. Uh, Jasmine Sinclair is going to be in it as well. Um, uh, Andrew Roth, who is, uh, he was in a bunch of my other things, and he's done a, a whole bunch of uh, independent films. Uh, Emily Rhodes, who I believe was on uh, American Ninja Warrior, and uh, Lindsay Bean, who uh, was the star of my Powerpuff Girls short film and uh, a web series I'm putting together called Nightlark. Nice. So you got uh, you got a pretty strong cast there, and I know you're. Yeah. Uh, I've been supporting supporting your uh, GoFundMe and telling people to check it out. And uh, can you tell us uh, how people can go fund you? Well, uh, we have the GoFundMe up, which is GoFundMe.com slash FirstbornMovie. And we also have an Indiegogo, which is, again, FirstbornMovie. Um, basically, 
what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise $10,000 to make this movie happen. It's, uh, you know, the funds, of course, go towards our actors, costumes, props, because, you know, it's a sci-fi movie, so there's going to be some special effects and some car chases and, you know, just pretty much anything that you would expect to see in, like, a early 80s James Cameron movie or a John Carpenter movie. And I believe I can honestly accomplish that for uh, the small fee of $10,000. That's crazy. I mean, because it, it, it is weird how, you know, what would have been like a, probably cost you a million dollars today could probably cost you 10000 to $20,000 with the right people. Well, yeah, I mean, if I wanted to do, you know, if I wanted to take the filmmaker's way around it, which is like your traditional film student of like, I'm going to hire a cinematographer and a composer and an editor, and uh, I'm going to hire this and that and just bloat the budget out the ass. Sure, this could easily cost $100,000. If I wanted to do it Hollywood style, this will cost millions of dollars to do, but this is me we're talking about, and um, I'm pretty much good at making something out of nothing. And in this particular instance, I just need ten grand. I budgeted the whole thing, so yeah, definitely. Um, now, uh, after you know, hopefully, like when's the Indiegogo up? Uh, I think we got about like thirty days left on the Indiegogo, and um, sixty days on the. Uh, or sorry, sixty days on the Indiegogo, and thirty days on the GoFundMe. Wait, is there a time limit on the GoFundMe? I, I'm not sure about the GoFundMe. I, sometimes they kind of sort of do it, but it's usually one of those indefinite things until you reach your goal. But I do know for a fact that Indiegogo gave me a uh, uh, 60 days. Yeah, I know I know they did, but I think GoFundMe, I, I, I think it's like an infinite, you know, time or whatever until you reach your goal or, or whatnot. But yeah, um, regardless, I mean, the sooner the sooner we make our budget, the sooner we can make the movie. So, as long as it's not five years from now, I'm happy. Yeah, definitely. And uh, thirty days would be great. <laughs> you know, I think so. get that goal <laughs> and then uh, keep making money then too, because you know you can reach your goal and keep going. You know, for the next thirty days, then get out there. We offer, um, we offer some pretty good perks on the on the pages as well, like. Any donations from anywhere from like a dollar, ten dollars, twenty, uh, fifty, a hundred, five hundred, a thousand, however you want to do it, there's a good perk no matter what. And uh I've always been really, you know, personal personable and good to my fans. So, you know, if you like Blinky Productions, this is definitely a good way to help us. Yeah, so like if all of your fans I mean I know this is a stretch, but if all your fans probably you probably got close to ten thousand of them at least. You know, well, and I spent a buck. I got two thousand fans on Facebook alone, so if everybody donated five dollars, I would reach my goal like now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, that's the funny thing is uh you say that and then just uh people claim that they have like they don't have five dollars to spend, which is crazy. You know, I take it for what it is. I'm not going to pester anybody. I got pestered one time by a celebrity at a convention. He solicited me. He's like, hey, come over to my table and talk to me. And I started talking to him, and then he's just like, you want to take a picture? I'm like, okay, sure. All right, that's 10 bucks." Uh, he goes, what, you don't have $10? And I'm like, that's a dick move. Now I don't like you at all. 
But no, if someone doesn't have fun, right. they're not going to pressure them for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten people where I've asked people if they, you know, want to check out my GoFundMe or whatever, and uh, people blocked me for that, you know. So that's, you know, but it's it's part of the it's part of the thing. You have to go and you have to, you know, talk to people, you know, and you have mm-hmm. to let them know about it. And uh, if unfortunately if they block you over it, then that's just you know a person. That's just what you have to deal with, you know, as a as a filmmaker. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, okay, so one of the last questions before um, we uh, before we get to the final thing is, I want to know, um, you know, what's your opinion? So I know people say that a filmmaker has to have like a thick skin when it comes to, like reviews or how people are or whatever with the film business. What is your what is your view like? Did you have to develop a thick skin, or did you always kind of have one? I had a predisposed set of thick skin just from growing up. I was always, you know, picked on or made fun of by the jerks in my school, or whatever. But uh, when the internet became what it is now, it was a whole new playing field for me. Um, and I'll admit, at the beginning of it, and very much up until very recently, I did fire back a lot. I never let what people said affect me to the point where I was like, fuck it, I'm never going to make another movie again. Instead, I kind of used it, viewed it more as like a shooting gallery, but I had a gun, I was going to fire back. And my words were eloquent at most, um, not as vulgar as they used to be, but... Uh, I feel now that if you're going to get into this, yeah, you do need to have thick skin. You can't just put your, you know, six-and-a-half-hour movie about a clown farting in a toilet bowl in black and white with a sad face and not expect some asshole to come out there and say, this is gay, you you suck, never make another movie again. I mean, I got death threats over um, my fan films. Like, I've literally had people say, I wish you were dead, never make another movie again. And I'm like, what? <laughs> wow, that's right. awesome. Uh, I had, I had <laughs> well, that's... one of my... Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, on uh, one of my fan films, my features, actually, one of my features, I literally had a guy just tell me how he wished that I died, how he wished that he never saw this movie again. And I wrote him back, I go... I will happily write you a check for uh, 92 minutes. So you will now live 92 minutes longer than you should have. So <laughs> it was just like, man, dude, it's just a movie. Chill, man. Like at no point, like have I ever watched a, m- a movie where I'm just like, I must murder the person who made this. And as much as I despise uh, certain films, at no point have I been like, I have to seek out Hunt and terminate the creators of these movies. Right. I wonder yeah. if that would be a movie. You know? Like, like uh, the Terminator, the Terminator for a movie. No, no, no. They did that in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. At the very end of the movie, they sought out everybody who said something bad about them and beat the shit out of them. Definitely, yeah. Uh, um, well, um, thank you so much for calling in tonight and chatting with me. Um, is there anything, um, you know, that you would like to tell your fans out there? Yeah. Um, 
check out my YouTube channel, Blinky500. In fact, everything is Blinky500. Uh, my Vimeo channel, my uh, Facebook page, um, all of it. If you want to chat with me, chat with me. And uh, if you are interested in learning more about Firstborn, check out uh, at Firstborn Movie on Facebook. And uh, if you can, if you have a couple extra bucks, if you got $10, uh, contribute it to uh, our film and help us get it made. Definitely. That was a, well, that was thank a, you so much, dude. What was that? That was my poor impression of the terrible celebrity who solicited me. If you got $10, oh. give it to yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, thank you so much, and you are... Uh, welcome back on the show sometime. We'll try to get you on with another uh, with another filmmaker at some point and we can chit-chat about uh, making movies with somebody else. Sounds awesome. All right. Okay. Have a good night, man. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, tune in two weeks from now. We'll have another show. I'm not sure who will be on exactly, but uh, keep checking the Facebook page at Frights of the Roundtable, and hope you guys enjoy the show.